To the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back here once again to the good old LOLP, the Lions of Liberty podcast, coming at you from my humble abode out here in sunny Los Angeles, California. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I got a little ranty. You know, it happens sometimes, addressing some criticisms that I often get about my advocacy for liberty, but I realized I left off one of the big one, and that's, hey, anyone can just sit around bitching on the internet. What are you actually going to do about it? All right, fair enough. Technically, it's true. If you call advocating for individual rights and for different ways of people looking at their interactions with their fellow man, if you call that bitching... Bitching. Well, then it's true, yes. This advocacy is bitching, and it is taking place on the internet largely, but it's really a very silly criticism. I mean, it's more just attacking the forum or attacking the idea of, you know, complaining or arguing about something. I wouldn't even call it complaining. I'm trying to argue for a positive change in the world, for a positive way to look at things. But really, if you're just addressing the forum, I mean, nobody accuses the president of just bitching on TV when he gives his presidential address or has a news conference. No, it's just the forum that he's using to communicate. And in many ways, the internet is still looked down upon by a lot of people, maybe just because, quote-unquote, anyone can just get on there and do their own thing. Even you, Mark. (laughs) But that's what's great about it. The internet is the greatest free market in the world because anybody can get on there and do their own thing. Anybody can set up their own podcast. Anybody can set up their own website. And the cream shall rise to the top. Or people find their little niche groups that, you know, like a certain thing. That's what's so wonderful about having all these choices out here. But in a way, it's a fair criticism, even if I don't like the tone of it. You know, there is something to be said for taking action outside of just writing a blog or doing a podcast. And I'll admit, I'm not the most active guy outside of the confines of Lions of Liberty. I'm not out there making videos. Well, just yet, anyway. I'm not out there confronting the police. I'm not running for office. But I'm doing things in my own way. But nobody can accuse my guest today of just sitting around bitching on the internet. Though he does his fair share of that as well, he is the host of Free Talk Live, as well as the program director of LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, where you can hear this very show, the Lions of Liberty podcast, as part of their weekly podcast block. He is also an active member of the Free State Project, a co-chair of the New Hampshire Liberty Party, and the founder of the Free Keen blog. And if all of that weren't enough to keep him busy, he has decided to throw his hat into the New Hampshire governor's race, launching a primary challenge against the incumbent Democrat governor, Maggie Hassan. Ian Freeman, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, Mark, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. That's quite a comprehensive list of some of the things I'm doing. I, I appreciate that, although Keenvention is one other thing. So uh, I'm throwing a convention here for the second year in a row in Keen, which is also a pretty fun thing. Well, cool. Yeah, I could probably have spent our whole interview time just listing all the things you're involved with because you're one of the most active guys out there. And we'll definitely try to touch on pretty much everything you're doing if we can. There's a lot to do up here in New Hampshire. Let me tell you, there's sure more there than is. you could possibly put on your plate. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, I'm really interested in getting into all that. But first, since it's the first time we've talked to you, this is the first time you've been in the show, why don't you just give us a little idea of your background? How did you get into all this crazy, wild liberty stuff? Did you just pop out of the womb loving liberty? <laughs> or what was the process like in your life that kind of got you to where you are today as a passionate advocate for liberty? Yeah, I think that, you know, to some extent, um, I might have popped out of the womb like that because as far back as I can remember, I really didn't like to be told what to do even back in uh, in elementary school. Ultimately, uh, cannabis in right around when I was 16 really kind of helped open my mind to some things. And I found the Harry Brown Libertarian Campaign in the year 2000. Um, basically, I'm a Harry Brown Libertarian, if you will. He kind of brought me into this and his his message was pretty Pretty pure uh, liberty, you know, very, very similar to Ron Paul, maybe even more pure uh, than, than Ron Paul. And so uh, he was a great intro to the ideas of freedom. And then here I am now. I'm in, you know, in New Hampshire. I moved from Florida and it's been a wild ride. It's funny you mentioned, you know, that being a kid and always asking why, because I was actually just in St. Louis this weekend visiting my nephew, my three-year-old nephew, and uh, he's a really smart kid. He's talkative. He's always talking. But one thing I noticed, because it's something I still do to this day, he's always asking why, you know, when his mm. mom told him not to do something or told him to do something, always what he'd ask is why, why, why? And it seems like that's just something that's ingrained in us as humans. You know, we're bored and we don't understand the world. So as we come to understand it, it's natural that we're going to ask why, especially when someone who's an authority figure, our mom and dad, maybe at first tells us this is what you have to do. We're going to ask why. And that's, I think the people that continue to ask why into their adulthood are, are kind of the people that I find coming together with here in this liberty movement. So, you know, what inspired you to kind of pick up and join the free state project specifically and take that move to New Hampshire? Well, I used to be an activist uh, with the Libertarian Party down in Florida and really, you know, it never really seemed to get anywhere. I put in a lot of hours and a lot of time and there wasn't any real tangible result. So when I heard about the Free State Project, the idea of getting liberty activists like myself together in the same place, I thought, wow, this is, you know, so this is something I've got to really consider. Um, I was kind of scared of the cold. You know, that's one of the biggest objections uh, that people have. And, and I get cold easily, but for me, it's well worth being here. Uh, I mean, the, the, the community that has gathered already here and the Free State Project official move hasn't even begun, but the early movers, the community of liberty activists is unparalleled. There's nothing else like it. And it's, uh, the cold is nothing, you know, in comparison to the warmth of the uh, the liberty community. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm probably one of the people that would fall into that category of complaining about the cold because I grew up back east. I grew up in Connecticut and, and as well as Buffalo, New York. So I grew up in cold and that that's one of the things that led me to come out here to California to Los Angeles about 10 years ago because I like being warm. Now, this is probably what seems like the furthest place where liberty advocates would gather out here in commie California, as a lot of my friends refer to it as. But yeah, you can find people everywhere you go. But I do think it's fantastic there is that there is this kind of coordinated effort with the Free State Project to get people to a specific location that might already be kind of amenable to a lot of the ideas that you guys want to push forward and really try to form, I guess, really... Is the point to really form sort of a political block and create change within New Hampshire itself? Or, I mean, what's the broader scope of the Free State Project? Well, I mean, I can't speak for the the project. I'm not, you know, their official spokesman. And in, in fact, they don't tend to take positions on much of anything. The statement of intent uh, with the Free State Project is that you'll move to New Hampshire and exert the maximum practical effort to achieve a society in which... Uh, the government's maximum role is protection of life, liberty, and property. I believe I'm, you know, calling that from from memory. Uh, but that's the statement, and you know, the Free State Project doesn't control what people do after that. I think the founder of the Free State Project originally envisioned like a voting block of people who would motivate their neighbors to vote similarly. 
Uh, but it turns out that the Free State Project attracts sort of super activists, people who are really, you know, really willing to do anything that it takes to achieve liberty. And so that might mean working outside the system, uh, doing, you know, agorist projects or uh, civil disobedience, perhaps. And, you know, there's a lot of inside the system stuff happening, too. People are getting elected. You know, actually here in New Hampshire, we have liberty minded people, actual voluntarists or voluntarists being elected as Republicans and Democrats. That's not happening anywhere else at all, anywhere in the country. So at least not that I'm aware of and certainly not to the extent that it's happening here in New Hampshire. And you know what? The thing about being warm, Mark, is that the statists, the people that love the, the government and forcing uh, us to live how they want us to live, they love it warm, too. And that's why a lot of people, at least where I'm from in Florida, are from New York. You know, people who are retiring down in Florida, etc. There's this huge mass of people who they don't like the cold either. And now they want to go live down south. So I wish you the best out there in Los Angeles, but it doesn't seem like liberty will be taking hold anytime soon out uh, out that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not about to, uh, you know, start the uh, free Los Angeles project or anything and think that I'm gonna <laughs> gonna turn everything around here. Thank but, goodness. You know, you can At find... least you're not delusional about it. <laughs> no, I'm certainly not. But hey, you know, we can all influence people directly around us. I've got a lot of friends I influence. There's there really is a strong liberty movement out here of its own ilk you know it's kind of kind of different everywhere you go but it's certainly possibly not in you know like the same kind of environment you, you can find out there in new hampshire it's nice when people can get together and ultimately that seems like most of what libertarians do is you know i remember what it was like in florida we got together at the uh, the local watering hole uh, i think it was bennigan's or something like that <laughs> and uh, people would complain about the government you know maybe they would run a political campaign about every four years and and uh, that'd be about it. I would create some uh, like outreach booths. I was doing a lot of outreach, never really panned out into much, although you know, you never know who you're going to reach. So I, I, I did certainly touch some people with the ideas of freedom. It just they didn't ever come to a Libertarian Party meeting. So there was never like anything tangible that happened. And so it's nice to know people who love freedom. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you're having an impact. You might be touching people in your personal life, and, and that's, that's good. I like to see front-page headlines about liberty activism, and we get that a lot here in New Hampshire. Well, that's a great segue when you're talking about front-page headlines, because you actually got a front-page headline not too long ago in the New York Times. Yep. I have the article right in front of me here. The headline says, Libertarians trail meter readers telling town, live free. Or else. <laughs> a very, very <laughs> ominous headline. I'm not sure what they're implying that the or else may oh, be. But... I love it. It's so great. I mean, people were, of course, whenever bad publicity happens, and that's not exactly a friendly article, though it could have been worse, um, a lot of people freak out about it. Oh, no, what's going to happen? This is terrible. Well, it's great, actually. Uh, what happened out as a result of this was we got even more media attention, radio interviews, and uh, even more television. In fact, Colbert Report came to town here as a result of the uh, the New York Times article. And of course, they're going to make fun of us, uh, but that's cool. It's, it's all right with me. Uh, that doesn't bother me at all. I'm looking forward to it. So there's there's all kinds of media that has sprung out of this supposedly bad uh, media article in the New York Times. And I don't care what the New York Times says about me. As long as they're saying it on the front page and they're telling free keen correctly, uh, then I'm cool with that. So why don't we talk about the basis of that article a little bit? It seems like the main focus of it was on the the quote-unquote Robin Hooders. Can you describe exactly what that Robin Hooder movement is, and you know what, why it drew the ire, I guess, of the New York Times? Yeah. So in some cities, uh, filling the meter for other people who are parking somewhere, in, you know, downtown is illegal. Um, that's not the case in New Hampshire. 
So it's actually kind of like civil obedience almost to do this. It's Robin Hooding is uh, finding the meter maids, if you will, the parking enforcers, as they call them, and walking in front of them, ideally, in my opinion, and uh, putting change in expired meters. So therefore preventing the parking enforcer from writing a ticket. And Robin Hooders in 2013 alone probably prevented at least 8,000 tickets from being written, which wow. at an average of $10 per ticket. The actual ticket price is $5, but you know how people kind of delay before they pay, and so the price goes up. So the average ticket cost is uh, is 10 bucks. So you know we may have deprived the city of $80,000 in revenue, uh, and that resulted in $80,000 being in the pockets of the people who earned it. Uh, which is awesome. So, you know, it's an awesome form of activism that's really positive in general. Of course, the people inside the state don't like it, so they make up lies about us, like that we're intimidating, harassing, threatening their employees, and they brought uh, civil lawsuits against us last year, which the Superior Court ultimately dismissed. Uh, we have a super awesome First Amendment attorney, John Meyer, who has taken that case, and it's now going to the New Hampshire Supreme Court. The, uh, the case is still in the works. You got to give me a moment, Ian, because I'm still recovering from the fact that um, the tickets are only $5 there. That blows my mind. Because <laughs> what are they in Los Angeles right now? 50 60 Oh, man. I think they start at 63 And then if you're late, wow. well, you can you can guess where it goes. I mean, a lot, a lot higher. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. I mean, you're actually helping people abide by the law. You'd think they would be grateful for you uh, if, if, if their goal was not to hand out tickets, but to just yeah. you know, enforce their normal parking meter laws and, and all that, then they should be grateful for you guys, you know, helping people get along, helping people pay the meters. But instead, right. they're not so happy with it, which is really uh, interesting. Yeah, the, the whole progress, uh, you know, sort of belies the truth behind parking enforcement. It's not actually about keeping the streets available for people who want to park. It's about revenue for the state. And they've made it pretty crystal clear. The first suit they filed against us, they claimed was about protecting their employees. And it wasn't about the money. They swore it wasn't about the money. Um, but then later, a few months later, they filed a second suit, which was about getting damages out of us. And that's when they finally admitted that it was, in point of fact, about the money. So it's been very revealing. And that's kind of the theme of some of the activism here in, in Keene, at least. And it's why we make front page headline worldwide um, is because, you know, we're willing to do things here that uh, that other people aren't willing to do. Most libertarians just want to run a, a political campaign every four years. And here we're doing everything from outreach in front of the courthouse, explaining people's rights about jury nullification and, uh, and, and, for instance, not taking the plea deal. We're not taking the plea deal. You know, you've been talking about parking tickets. Garrett Ian is one of the uh, Robin Hooders here. He just recently took two parking tickets to court. We tied up uh, at least an hour of that parking enforcer's time where she couldn't be out on the streets writing tickets. Ultimately, he was found guilty, but uh, you know we were sort of clogging the system here, and uh, you know it hasn't had a a market in impact in that there's you know they're obviously still charging people with nonsense like drug possession and things like that, but. The idea is to set the example to show people what happens when you do these things. Most people are afraid to to go to court, and we've got hours and hours of court video. So anybody that's been paying attention knows, you know, it's not as bad as it seems to be to stand up and say no. Yeah, and in many ways, even if you're doing nothing more than kind of exposing the system for what it is, it's it's doing a service. You know, if you're getting them to come out in court and admit, hey, you cost us X amount of revenue, well, you just got them to admit that this is about revenue generation, that it's not really about you know, keeping the streets clear or whatever else they might claim that it's for. So it definitely does a service, even if you might lose a little, you know, a few battles along the way in the wider war. Against I don't like thinking about it 
like a like a war or a battle. I think that's very common political language. You know, if you get fundraising letters from a uh, campaign for liberty or the Libertarian Party, you can circle all the words that are like it's a battle and we're we're right, reloading right. and you know there's all this stuff like and then give us money. You know, that's really what they're trying to do is hit people up so they can just continue this fruitless activism of trying to run candidates and ultimately losing. Uh, if you want to actually win an election, you should come to New Hampshire because it's actually happening here. You know, we've had over a dozen free state project participants in the state legislature uh, in at one moment. There's uh, probably dozens running for legislature this year. As you mentioned, I'm running for uh, for governor. Got to go to a debate last night where I got to speak in front of the Republican debate. Uh, so, you know, it's we're getting the ideas of liberty out in a way that just isn't possible in other states because the system there is not as accessible. Here in New Hampshire, everything's small. So the impact you can have with your activism is greater. Uh, in, in Keen, you know, freekeen.com is one of three news sites. I mean, it's not really a news site, but it effectively functions as that. We do break news at freekeen.com. Ultimately, it's obviously an opinion and activism site, but it's such a small marketplace that there's one talk radio station, there's the newspaper, and there's freekeen.com. And, you know, so we can have this this impact here that is very disproportionate compared to libertarian activists all across the country. And that's what concentration allows. That's why Robin Hooding is possible. Robin Hooding wouldn't have made the front page of the New York Times had uh, the activists not been in the streets Six days a week, every single day that the parking enforcers are out there doing this level of activism. That's not possible unless you have a hardcore, uh, dedicated crew of activists. And the more that we can get to come here, the more projects like this and things we can't even envision yet uh, will become possible. So it's very exciting. And I would recommend everybody check out freestateproject.org. Now, there's actually a, a little bit of pushback you've gotten in Keene. There's a little group that's gotten themselves <laughs> together on Facebook called oh, yes. Stop Free Keen. And I notice it's all in capital letters with three exclamation points afterwards, which yeah. I guess means they're very, very serious about stopping yes. Free Keen. So who are these guys and why are they so opposed to what you're doing? Are they are they afraid of freedom or what, what's their deal? Well, anytime that change is proposed, what, you know, whatever the change is, someone's going to be upset about it. And in a lot of cases, the, those someones are the people who either have worked for the state or have had family direct family working for the state, whether it be, you know, in government bureaucracy and military or wherever. Uh, these are the people who feel threatened by the ideas of liberty. It's not that they should feel threatened, but they do. You know, those are their jobs and uh, they'd like to keep those jobs. And obviously the liberty minded folks out there advocating for freedom and the end to coercion are somewhat of a threat to that. Although clearly there's some people that work for the government who will easily transition into a marketplace, uh, you know, a free market, you know, people that are fixing streets, there's going to be a demand for that, fire protection, uh, protection services like police. There's obviously demand for those things, but change is scary. I mean, it's easier to just kind of go along to get along. And so the keen activists and the Free State Project, uh, in a wider perspective, are that change. And that's why Cynthia Chase, who's one of the state representatives here in Keene, I don't know if you heard about this, but she said about a year and a half ago that free staters are the single greatest threat to the state. <laughs> and for me, that's a huge endorsement. Of course, Cynthia Chase is one of the members of Stop Free Keene. And so those are just people who are angry. They're upset. They feel threatened and uh, they don't they don't like the idea of the change or they don't understand uh, the idea of what is being proposed by the people who love freedom. And obviously there's a lot of people in New Hampshire who do love freedom and they welcome us and they appreciate uh, that we're here. But 
some people look at the conflicts that happen or the stop free keen or the existence of stop free keen and they say, ah, oh, you, you're failing out there in keen. Look what you're doing. People hate you. <laughs> and well, fact is, as soon as you start being impactful with your activism, whether it be in the political sphere or whether it be civil disobedience, people are going to hate you for it. It's just the way it goes. I mean, there were lynchings in the past over people, you know, being angry about uh, the possibility of change. So uh, the fact that, you know, people haven't had their houses firebombed is probably a good sign, you know, that, that hasn't happened. But certainly there have been things like eggings and, uh, you know, very rude things have happened here. But that's just it's part and parcel of the process to me. Yeah, I mean, basically, the only way to not upset people is to keep your mouth shut uh, exactly. not, not speak out against the status quo and just mosey along in life. But we're never going to fix any injustices that we see in the world if we take that tact. You know, that if that's the case, then we're just going to allow officials and, you know, corrupt politicians, big businesses and that kind of thing to just run roughshod over our rights and over everybody. Right. So it's actually a, a mark of honor when you get a little hate because, you know, I remember the first time after we started our website and I it just started this podcast. I got a, a, my very first hate mail, and it was very generic. It was just said, basically, you guys are ruining the earth, or I don't really remember what the words were, but it was just hate, pure hate yeah. directed my way. And that I was like, sweet, finally. Like, I must be doing You're something doing right something now. I'm, I'm right. ruffling some feathers. It made yeah, someone take say, the time out of their day to, you know. You don't take flack until you're over the target. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> now, speaking of the target... You've set your eyes on the New Hampshire governor's race. So I'm curious, <laughs> why did you decide to run overall? And then more specifically, why did you decide to run as a Democrat against a Democratic incumbent? You know, that a lot of people in the liberty movement, I guess, are, are sort of taking what you might call the Ron Paul strategy, the takeover of the Republican Party strategy. So I'd say most politically active libertarians seem to fall into that category. So what, why is it that you have decided to jump on kind of the Democrat side and possibly even take what might be a more difficult path considering that you're facing an incumbent. Well, yeah, I'm facing the incumbent and th that was the reason one of the reasons why I ran as a democrat because I've, I figured there wouldn't be anybody who would oppose her. That was the rumor at least was that, you know, the the Dems have selected their candidate, it will be Maggie Hassan, the current governor and that will be it. So I figured there'd be a chance that maybe I could get some attention for for the ideas of freedom, uh specifically to call her out on cannabis legalization which she failed to do she did sign the medical bill but only after removing home grow provisions so sick people in new hampshire uh, will not be allowed to grow plants or they'll be facing prison at this point so i wanted to call her out on that issue specifically but also use sort of the podium to talk about the idea of declaring independence or secession whichever you'd prefer uh whichever term you'd prefer i think that's an important conversation that people need to start having seriously and you guys are having it out in california to some extent at least uh, the people seceding from the state. Not yeah, there's a, the there's a whole uh, there's this movement here to create actually six Californias, they're calling it. They're dividing the state into six different categories. There's some people that are excited about it, some people that are pissed off about it. So yeah. just like any other secessionist movement, you're going to have people on both sides. I haven't had that much time to examine it in depth, but I, I definitely support it in theory because I support yeah. the rights of people to kind of decide their own fates, including seceding from institutions that they don't want to be a part of. And if there are many good reasons to uh, to not want to be a part of the government, state government of California. <laughs> I wanted to uh, get a conversation started on that issue and uh, and then also address the unfairness of getting on the ballot here in New Hampshire. All of those things I actually addressed on my speech last night at the governor's debate because Maggie Hassan refused to debate me 
the folks over at Franklin Pierce University were so gracious as to actually invite me to speak in front of the Republican uh, debate. And I don't know why it is that uh, liberty-minded folks are you know, working within the Republican Party. Here in, in New Hampshire, there are liberty-minded folks who are elected as both Democrats and Republicans. So you know, when you have enough liberty activists in one place, you can have multiple prongs of, uh, of approach to the political system. So again, uh, New Hampshire wins for so many different reasons. Um, it's just uh, it's awesome. I, I paid $100 to file and run for governor here. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it makes sense that, you know, why focus on one specific party, especially most libertarians are out there saying this this kind of two party paradigm is BS. It's it's nonsense anyway. So why even try to fit ourselves into one party more kind of where we can pick our choose our situation? Like in your case, you you specifically wanted to call out Maggie Hassan for her views on the drug war. And, you know, you wanted to bring light to the secession issue. So you saw the best path taking the kind of Democrat approach, right. whereas in other situations, it might make more sense to be a Republican or even just an independent. I'm under no delusion that I'm going to win the primary. I'm not accepting any campaign contributions. I'm not putting much more time into the campaign than responding to media interviews, uh, what few I've had, and then responding to the questionnaires. Because when you run for political office, you usually get these questionnaires from interest groups that kind of want to know your views. So I've been responding to those, but even that, you know, that hasn't been priority for me. My priority is doing, you know, Free Talk Live and running freekeen.com and lrn.fm and, and all that other stuff. This is just a, a way to get the ideas of freedom out there. And that's some people who are in New Hampshire are critics of the political system. So there's like a, there's some people who just won't involve themselves in politics. And for me, it was the political system that brought me into this movement, you know, with the Harry Brown campaign, as I mentioned earlier. And I know that people are going to see the video. They're going to see me talking on uh, on stage about the ideas of freedom, about how government is a criminal gang. Uh, I, I got to say all those things while standing in front of the state flag last night. It was so <laughs> surreal and bizarre all at once. But yet, you know, somebody's going to pay attention and you never know who you're going to touch uh, with, with the message. In fact, I got a message from uh, Jamie Crane, I don't know if you're familiar with Wheels Off Liberty, great podcast, and once upon a time, it's no longer around, but it was going off at like a Republican meeting about these ideas, and one of the ladies there really just picked up on it, now she's like, I guess she's the chairman of the Republican Party out there, and she's having him come out to speak to the Republicans about the ideas of volunteerism, so it's one of those things, you just never know who's listening, you never know who you're going to touch, and I'm sure you probably experienced that. So, Ian, I know you don't think you're going to win. You don't have plans to win. You're not putting that much effort into it other than, you know, doing your media appearances, responding to questionnaires. But let's just play a hypothetical for a second, if you don't mind. What if the craziest thing in the world happened? Everybody finds out about Ian Freeman. They all decide that, you know, the Free State Project is, is great. And somehow you win the governor's race. You, you win the primary and then you win the, the general election and you don't even know what happened. But if that did happen, what could you actually do on day one as governor realistically? Do you have any ideas about that? I mean, are there any, and I don't know how far you've looked into the specific powers of the governor of New Hampshire. But yeah, it's a fairly weak governorship in New Hampshire. But um, first of all, you're presuming I would be able to take the oath of office, which I can't do. I mean, <laughs> I've, uh, I've read the oath of office in New Hampshire, and it in includes swearing an oath of allegiance to both the United States and New Hampshire state governments. And both, I believe, are criminal organizations. So there's no way I could swear an oath to those things. And that would mean that they probably would stop me from becoming, you know, the governor at that point. But if they would let me swear an oath to uphold the ideas of freedom uh, then and, and still take the office, then I think something that you could do right out the gate, one of the classic Harry Brown moves, at least this is what – he had a great article that he wrote 
in one of his books uh, about you know what he would do his first day and pardon all nonviolent uh, offenders, pardon all you know consensual criminals, so to speak, drug war victims, etc. Uh, that would be, I think, a nice first day thing. Absolutely, because if nothing else, we can get some people that haven't harmed anybody out of you know out of living in a cage for for what they've you know the, the terrible sin that they've committed. Yeah, and you could also probably, you know, since you're in charge of the executive branch, you could issue some sort of executive order to the state police and say, look, you know, you're shutting down the drug task force. Uh, that's over. And you, know, you could tell them to stop enforcing victimless crime laws. Right. Plus, just having the pulpit of the governorship, you could sit up there every day and just, you know, recite you know, passages from Harry Brown's books or whatever you want. You can just you know, kind of advance the ideas from that platform if you were able to achieve it. I would even toy with the idea of just, uh, you know, at some point saying, all right, that's enough of this and not showing up for a while. (laughs) Well, I'll be in Tahiti if you guys need me, which you won't since you don't even like me that much anyway. Right. (laughs) Uh, Let's just touch on philosophy a little bit. Now, I've heard you mention the term voluntarism. Is is that how you kind of categorize yourself? Or, I mean, I know a lot of people in the libertarian movement, they call themselves anarchists, anarcho-capitalists. Where do you, I guess, fall in that kind of framework? Yeah, I'm a voluntarist. I don't like the term anarchy or capitalism. I think they're loaded words that have all kind of baggage, and I'm not interested really in associating with them. Anarchy suggests no rules, and I'm okay with rules. I think that rules on private property are totally fine. Of course, anarchy really means no rulers, but I also like self-rule. So, you know, does that does that jive with anarchy? Anyway, voluntarism is more positive of a statement. It says uh, says more about what I believe in, which is that all human interaction should be consensual. And so, you know, that's why, like, the Libertarian Party doesn't go far enough for me these days. And so we actually created the New Hampshire Liberty Party here in New Hampshire. And that's sort of a dual role that I'm running under here. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to nhliberty.info. Uh, but, yeah, you know, philosophically, voluntarism, I think, is the is the best definition if you have to to have a term. Yeah, I mean, I've never specifically attached any of these terms to myself, but when I break them all down, the 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 term voluntarist is the only one that I see that really sums up what I believe while not really giving a negative connotation or giving the wrong idea. You know, with mm-hmm. anarchy, with capitalism, like you said, it, they're very loaded terms, maybe some for good reason, maybe some not for good reason. But at this point, you know, at some point when a term begins to mean something for most of the population, you, it, at some point it becomes time to just accept that that's what that term means to them and and kind of move away from it. I mean, I, I, I'm going to defend capitalism if someone asks me what it should be and everything. But at this point, what most people call capitalism is really crony capitalism. So yeah. if we spend all our time trying to defend it, everyone just is going to associate. Bother? Yeah, everyone just associates us with big business and, you know, Monsanto or whatever. Because of the that the, the, what you're pointing out there about the crony capitalism. I don't know if I, you know, I don't think I am a capitalist. I don't really even know what that word means. It certainly means different things to different people. I support the free marketplace and I don't know what works best. I know that uh, I know what works best for my business, but I don't know if that'll work best for somebody else. And I don't know, like, for instance, uh, if somebody wants to organize a, a commune, I'm not going to tell them they can't do that I, and, and, you know, say that it's a, a, an inferior form of organization. What if they can make it work? You know, I mean, it's it's possible. There are communes that have been around for for many decades. Uh, it's not the kind of place I want to live, but um, maybe there's some really nice ones, and I just haven't been to those. Uh, so I don't want to judge anybody's uh, desire toward economically organizing as long as it's done voluntarily, consensually, whether it's you know, some sort of cooperative organization or a hierarchy or uh, you know a decentralized movement. Uh, let's let's see whatever works. Let's try different things in a free market. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about economics, because it's something I've noticed over the years, and I probably used to fall into this trap in my kind of younger days when I was more of a sort of small government Republican type, but I've obviously moved on <laughs> from, from that platform. Uh, but it, it's, it's this kind of, um, so many libertarians seem very, um, I don't know, obsessed with economics as if it's the be all yeah. and end all, as if people are purely motivated by economic gain. And there's, no. I think there's just so much more in the world than that. And, promoting economics or even a certain type of economic system doesn't really get across the ideas of justice or the ideas of individual rights or that kind of thing. Because as far as I'm yeah. concerned, you can have whatever system you want as long as you're not coercing other people to be a part of it or, you know, you know, taking other people from their system and forcing them into your system, that kind of thing. I mean, look at the Amish. They have their own system. Uh, the government generally leaves them alone. I wouldn't call their system capitalism, but it's certainly a peaceful system and it seems to work just fine for them. So I know, I see no reason that anybody should be intruding on it. So I'm really glad you make that distinction between economics and, you know, actual rights, because these really are separate issues. You can have any economic system you want if you're not violating the rights of others. Yeah, and I think that the reason why people in the liberty movement are so uh, – a lot of them are so into economics is because the libertarian movement has for years, for decades, been a movement of intellectuals, people who love to read a good book. And there's a lot of great books about liberty, but there's not a whole lot of action. You know, The Libertarian Party has been trying their best for 40 years, and they haven't really gotten anywhere. But uh, as I was talking before, here in New Hampshire, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of people doing a whole lot of different things. And so we're finally seeing the ideas, the uh, economic and intellectual ideas coming into reality here. And this is the step that the liberty movement needs is to concentrate activism in one area so we can actually have an impact with these ideas, have political successes, show the world that freedom works, you know, be that beacon for liberty here. And, you know, we're not going to get to be that beacon of liberty if everybody's just reading a bunch of books and talking on the internet and posting things on Facebook. We have to take real action. Uh, to do things and to make change. And libertarians all around the country are, you know, they're diluted, uh, not diluted. Well, some of them may be diluted, but they are diluted in that, uh, you know, there aren't very many of them. And you can't have a big impact if there's a small amount of people in a large place. So let's move those small amount of people, as many of them as possible, to New Hampshire, where we can have a large amount of people in a small place and actually have a chance at achieving liberty in our lifetime. That's, I think, the most important thing. It kind of reminds me of one of the Republican debates in 2012, where it was one of those fluff questions where they asked the candidates, oh, you know, if you weren't here at this debate on a Saturday night and you weren't here, what would you rather be doing? And, you know, Mitt Romney's like, oh, I'd be at a football game or whatever. And then we get to Ron Paul and he says, well, I'd... I'd be reading an economics textbook <laughs> and yeah. I'm just thinking, Hey, I love you. I love the guy, but not that many people are going to relate to that. And I don't know how many people were going to convert by telling them to read economics textbooks. We need to really, I can get a lot of people by talking about the drug war and showing them how people's rights are being violated and, and focusing on that stuff, but focusing on purely economics will just turn a lot of people off that might otherwise be you know, amenable to listening to you and, and hearing your views. I think I'd rather be at a cop block session on a Friday night with a 30 to 40 other activists, which has been happening recently in Manchester. Uh, there have been a number of DUI checkpoints this summer, and the Manchester activists have been coming out in droves, outnumbering the police. That's where I want to be on a Friday night, and that's the kind of person that I want to be attracted to New Hampshire. I want the doers. I want the, you know, these are also thinkers. These aren't dumb people. They're just people who are willing to step up. And finally, as you were saying, not just speak out, 
but to come out and do things to achieve liberty in our lifetime, whether it be coming to the state house and speaking where frequently liberty activists, free state project participants are seen uh, also as state representatives, but to, uh, you know, to do the political process as we're doing here and also to get out in the streets with things like cop block. There's just no movement like this here, and that's the kind of you know that's what the liberty movement needs is that concentration because concentration will encourage people to do more and encourage people to be more courageous with their activism because we need to take more risks. There need to be more capital involved and more people uh, involved, and 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 the Free State Project is the best option. There are some imitators out there, but none of them have really ever gone anywhere like the Free State Project has. And we've we're growing. There are over I think fifteen thousand people who have pledged. To, uh, to move to New Hampshire once we reach 20,000. So we're still trying to get to that 20,000 number, but already over 1,600 people are here now as part of the Free State Project. They're early movers like myself who are really kind of getting the ball rolling and already making a huge impact, being called the single greatest threat to the state. And we're not, the move hasn't even started yet. So what's going to happen after 5,000, 10,000 people are here? It's very exciting. Well, Stop Free Keen's going to have to expand to, you know, Stop Free State Project or something if they if they want to. They've keep, already talked about that, yeah. <laughs> if they want to keep up with you guys, well, Ian, you know, there's there's a couple ways you can lead and kind of try to influence things, and one way to do it is by decree and just telling people this is what they should do, and the other way to do it is by example, and you are certainly setting the example with all the activism that you've been involved with. Thanks. And before we let you go, I, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on. But I want to give you one more chance to plug anything and everything you got going on, anything I might have missed. I know you. You mentioned that Keen Vengeance, so feel free to plug away. Hey, yeah, a Keen Vengeance, I think, is really great because it's another opportunity for people to come up here to New Hampshire. Obviously, there's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which the Free State Project throws during the summer, which is an awesome event. People should attend that. Um, and there's the Liberty Forum, which is a hotel convention event that happens in the wintertime, also thrown by the Free State Project. Keen Vengeance. Uh, is a hotel-based event, but it's a little bit different. We're not dragging in a bunch of uh, fancy name speakers from around the country. Everyone speaking will be New Hampshire-based activists. And so we focus on activism. It's an event by the activists for activists. And uh, for people who are considering making a move up here, great excuse to come up and check out the Keene area as well as the rest of New Hampshire during the fall. So go to keenvention.info. You can actually watch uh, full videos from last year. We recorded everything that happened uh, on stage. So every panel, every speech, it's all there. You can get a flavor for the event. And it's kind of an intimate event compared to like the Free State Project events where hundreds of people are at. Keen Vention, we maybe had about 100, 120 people uh, last year. So I expect it's going to be small again this year. And so that kind of brings a different flavor to the event. You know, you can more likely to meet everyone there. And uh, it's more a level of a kind of intimacy, which is really a lot of fun. So keenvention.info, it's 60 bucks for the entire weekend, and there's special uh, discount hotel rooms available as well. Ian Freeman, thanks again for coming on the show, and keep up the great work. Hey, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for having me. We'll be back after a little break. Do you want your kids to meet the champion of the Constitution? What if there was an illustrated book that introduced libertarianism to you through the story of Ron Paul's amazing life? What if this biography breaks down complex concepts like Austrian economic theory, the dangers of the Federal Reserve, blowback, and non-interventionist foreign policy? What if I told you this book is real and available? What if I told you that school libraries accept donations? What if you donate a copy to your local school library and give hundreds of youth the opportunity to meet Ron Paul? What if you don't? Who will? The book is Meet Ron Paul. And you can get your copy today at lionsofliberty.com slash meetronpaul. As Ron Paul has said, 
There can be no revolution without a revolution in education. Meet Ron Paul and keep the liberty movement moving. Agree to disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on thenewamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion, and spirituality. Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. (laughs) You're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific on thenewamericanmedia.com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree, but let's have a good conversation. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media, or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. Chris Rossini's new book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. What every American needs to know about the Federal Reserve. Set Money Free. With a special foreword by Ron Paul. Set Money Free. And it has easy to understand questions and answers. Set Buy Set Money Free on Amazon.com. Chris Rossini's Set Money Free. Set money free, 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 set money free. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. <laughs> All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my little chat there with Ian Freeman. And, and hey, I love the idea of the Free State Project. I can't say it's necessarily for me, because I really like being warm. I'm not going to lie, guys. But I think the idea of freedom-loving, like-minded people moving to a similar area in order to better organize and create a positive change is an absolutely fantastic idea, and you aren't going to see a more active and more positive group than a lot of the folks, anyway, I've seen involved with the Free State Project. And Ian Freeman is one of the most active guys out there with his own radio show, his own radio network, and don't forget, you can hear this show the Lions of Liberty podcast on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, every week. He's even taking on the drug war supporting governor of New Hampshire. And this is just one guy. Imagine if we had tens of thousands of people putting the kind of effort into activism as Ian Freeman does. Of course, we all have to follow our own path, find our own calling. And for me, this forum, this Lions of Liberty podcast has really felt like my calling. It's felt like a forum where I can really express myself and get people interested in ideas, get people talking. And that, that's what I intend to do with this podcast. I hope you like what I'm doing with it. If you do, there are some ways you can help out. And no, I'm not asking for money. Though if you do want to contribute financially, 
We don't have a way to donate. You can't send me money. I'm not looking for that, but we do have an Amazon banner. If you go to our website, lionsofliberty.com, you go to the right-hand side, scroll down a little bit, you will see an Amazon link. If you click on there, anything you buy will give us a small little kickback so we can keep the lights on, keep expanding what we're doing with our operation, with the podcast, with the website, lionsofliberty.com. So if you do want to contribute and you have some products you would normally buy anyway, don't want you to buy anything you wouldn't normally get, please consider clicking on that Amazon link and making some purchases through there. But besides that, the best way you can help me out by far is helping me get more ears on this podcast, more eyes on our website. So if you know if you like our articles, share them on your page. If you like the podcast, tell people about it. Send people an email and say, hey, I've heard this interesting podcast because that's really the only way we're going to get rolling here. And I, we've been rolling. The numbers are picking up. There's more people out there that are listening every single day, but we really want to blow up. We want to advance the ideas of liberty to as great an audience as possible. So anyway, if you guys can help out with that, I'll really appreciate it. And you, know, you can go over to iTunes, you can give us a rating. Even if you don't use iTunes to listen to this, you can give us a rating, you can give us a review. That'll really help us move up the ranks on iTunes, help get more ears on this thing. So that's the only thing I ask of you. And of course... There's one thing I'm always going to ask of you guys. You know what it is, right? I just need you to live long and live free. Head of Editing and Mastering, John Dawkins.